0: Section Thirty Seven of the Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume Two, edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John RUDE germans under arminius revolt against rome a d nine by sir edward s creasy part one the german race was beginning to make itself felt to a greater extent than hitherto in its efforts for freedom from the roman rule research shows that from the earliest days there were two distinct peoples under this designation of german the northern or scandinavian and the southern being more truly the german both consisted of numerous tribes the romans giving separate names to each from this arose the generic titles of franks bavarians alamanni and the rest they were great fighters and as a natural sequence mighty hunters when warfare did not occupy their attention hunting feasting and drinking took its place tacitus writes to drink continuously night and day was no shame for them their chief beverage was barley beer though in the south wine was used to some extent rome had garrisons throughout the whole land and the fortunes of the germans were at a low ebb freedom seemed stifled forever when arminius led his forces against the roman hosts in the forest of tutoburgium rightly does creasy rate this important battle so highly for it meant the final uplifting of the teuton and with him the english-speaking races of a later time to a truly illustrious frenchman whose reverses as a minister can never obscure his achievements in the world of letters we are indebted for the most profound and most eloquent estimate that we possess of the importance of the germanic element in european civilization and of the extent to which the human race is indebted to those brave warriors who long were the unconquered antagonists and finally became the conquerors of imperial rome twenty-three eventful years have passed away since monsieur guizot delivered from the chair of modern history at paris his course of lectures on the history of civilization in europe during those years the spirit of earnest inquiry into the germs and primary developments of existing institutions has become more and more active and universal and the merited celebrity of monsieur guizot's work has proportionally increased its admirable analysis of the complex political and social organizations of which the modern civilized world is made up must have led thousands to trace with keener interest the great crises of times past by which the characteristics of the present were determined the narrative of one of these great crises of the epoch a d nine when germany took up arms for her independence against roman invasion has for us this special attraction that it forms part of our own national history had arminius been supine or unsuccessful our germanic ancestors would have been enslaved or exterminated in their original seats along the eider and the elbe this island would never have borne the name of england and we this great english nation whose race and language are now overrunning the earth from one end of it to the other would have been utterly cut off from existence footnote eighty two guizot was minister of foreign affairs and later eighteen forty eight prime minister under louis philippe Arnold may indeed go too far in holding that we are wholly unconnected in race with the Romans and Britons who inhabited this country before the coming over of the Saxons, that, quote, nationally speaking, the history of Caesar's invasion has no more to do with us than the natural history of the animals which then inhabited our forests, end quote. There seems ample evidence to prove that the Romanized Celts whom our teutonic forefathers found here influenced materially the character of our nation but the main stream of our people was and is germanic our language alone decisively proves this arminius is far more truly one of our national heroes than Caractacus, and it was our own primeval fatherland that the brave german rescued when he slaughtered the roman legions eighteen centuries ago in the marshy glens between the Lip and the Ems. Dark and disheartening even to heroic spirits must have seemed the prospects of Germany when Arminius planned the general rising of his countrymen against Rome. Half the land was occupied by Roman garrisons, and what was worse, many of the Germans seemed patiently acquiescent in their state of bondage. The braver portion, whose patriotism could be relied on, was ill-armed and undisciplined while the enemy's troops consisted of veterans in the highest state of equipment and training familiarized with victory and commanded by officers of proved skill and valor the resources of rome seemed boundless her tenacity of purpose was believed to be invincible there was no hope of foreign sympathy or aid for quote, the self-governing powers that had filled the old world had bent one after another before the rising power of Rome and had vanished. The earth seemed left void of independent nations. End quote. The German chieftain knew well the gigantic power of the oppressor. Arminius was no rude savage, fighting out of mere animal instinct or in ignorance of the might of his adversary he was familiar with the roman language and civilization he had served in the roman armies he had been admitted to the roman citizenship and raised to the rank of the equestrian order it was part of the subtle policy of rome to confer rank and privileges on the youth of the leading families in the nations which she wished to enslave among other young german chieftains arminius and his brother who were the heads of the noblest house in the tribe of the Cherusci had been selected as fit objects for the exercise of this insidious system. Roman refinements and dignities succeeded in denationalizing the brother, who assumed the Roman name of Flavius and adhered to Rome throughout all her wars against his country. Arminius remained unbought by honors or wealth, uncorrupted by refinement or luxury he aspired to and obtained from roman enmity a higher title than ever could have been given him by roman favour it is in the page of rome's greatest historian that his name has come down to us with the proud addition of liberator and dubi Germanier. often must the young chieftain while meditating the exploit which has thus immortalized him have anxiously revolved in his mind the fate OF THE MANY GREAT MEN WHO HAD BEEN CRUSHED IN THE ATTEMPT WHICH HE WAS ABOUT TO RENEW, THE ATTEMPT TO STAY THE CHARIOT WHEELS OF TRIUMPHANT ROME. COULD HE HOPE TO SUCCEED WHERE HANNIBAL AND MITHRADATES HAD PERISHED? WHAT HAD BEEN THE DOOM OF Viriathus? AND WHAT WARNING AGAINST VAIN VALOR WAS WRITTEN ON THE DESOLATE SITE WHERE NUMANTIA ONCE HAD FLOURISHED? nor was a caution wanting in scenes nearer home and more recent times. The Gauls had fruitlessly struggled for eight years against Caesar, and the gallant Vercingetorix, who in the last year of the war had roused all his countrymen to insurrection, who had cut off Roman detachments, and brought Caesar himself to the extreme of peril at Alesia. He, too, had finally succumbed had been led captive in caesar's triumph and had then been butchered in cold blood in a roman dungeon it was true that rome was no longer the great military republic which for so many ages had shattered the kingdoms of the world her system of government was changed and after a century of revolution and civil war she had placed herself under the despotism of a single ruler but the discipline of her troops was yet unimpaired and her warlike spirit seemed unabated the first year of the empire had been signalized by conquests as valuable as any gained by the republic in a corresponding period it is a great fallacy though apparently sanctioned by great authorities to suppose that the foreign policy pursued by augustus was pacific he certainly recommended such a policy to his successors insertum metu an per invidiam but he himself until arminius broke his spirit had followed a very different course besides his spanish wars his generals in a series of generally aggressive campaigns had extended the roman frontier from the alps to the danube and had reduced into subjection the large and important countries that now form the territories of all austria south of that river and of east switzerland lower wurtemberg bavaria the Valteline, and the tyrol while the progress of the roman arms thus pressed the germans from the south still more formidable inroads had been made by the imperial legions on the west roman armies moving from the province of gaul established a chain of fortresses along the right as well as the left bank of the rhine and in a series of victorious campaigns advanced their eagles as far as the elbe which now seemed added to the list of vassal rivers to the nile the rhine the rhone the danube the tagus the seine and many more that acknowledged the supremacy of the tiber roman fleets also sailing from the harbors of Gaul along the German coasts and up the estuaries, cooperated with the land forces of the empire and seemed to display, even more decisively than her armies, her overwhelming superiority over the rude Germanic tribes. Throughout the territory thus invaded, the Romans had, with their usual military skill, established fortified posts, and a powerful army of occupation was kept on foot, ready to move instantly on any spot where a popular outbreak might be attempted vast however and admirably organized as the fabric of roman power appeared on the frontiers and in the provinces there was rottenness at the core in rome's unceasing hostilities with foreign foes and still more in her long series of desolating civil wars the free middle classes of italy had almost wholly disappeared above the position which they had occupied an oligarchy of wealth had reared itself beneath that position a degraded mass of poverty and misery was fermenting slaves the chance sweepings of every conquered country shoals of africans sardinians asiatics illyrians and others made up the bulk of the population of the italian peninsula the foulest profligacy of manners was general in all ranks in universal weariness of revolution and civil war and in consciousness of being too debased for self-government the nation had submitted itself to the absolute authority of augustus adulation was now the chief function of the senate and the gifts of genius and accomplishments of art were devoted to the elaboration of eloquently false panegyrics upon the prince and his favourite courtiers with bitter indignation must the german chieftain have beheld all this and contrasted with it the rough worth of his own countrymen their bravery their fidelity to their word their manly independence of spirit their love of their national free institutions and their loathing of every pollution and meanness above all he must have thought of the domestic virtues that hallowed a german home of the respect there shown to the female character and of the pure affection by which that respect was repaid his soul must have burned within him at the contemplation of such a race yielding to these debased italians still to persuade the germans to combine in spite of the frequent feuds among themselves in one sudden outbreak against rome to keep the scheme concealed from the romans until the hour for action arrived and then without possessing a single walled town without military stores without training to teach his insurgent countrymen to defeat veteran armies and storm fortifications seemed so perilous an enterprise that probably arminius would have receded from it had not a stronger feeling even than patriotism urged him on among the germans of high rank who had most readily submitted to the invaders and become zealous partisans of roman authority was a chieftain named segestes his daughter the snelda was preeminent among the noble maidens of germany arminius had sought her hand in marriage but segestes who probably discerned the young chief's disaffection to rome forbade his suit and strove to preclude all communication between him and his daughter thusnelda however sympathized far more with the heroic spirit of her lover than with the time-serving policy of her father an elopement baffled the precautions of segestes who disappointed in his hope of preventing the marriage accused arminius before the roman governor of having carried off his daughter and of planning treason against rome thus assailed and dreading to see his bride torn from him by the officials of the foreign oppressor arminius delayed no longer but bent all his energies to organize and execute a general insurrection of the great mass of his countrymen who hitherto had submitted in sullen hatred to the roman dominion a change of governors had recently taken place which while it materially favored the ultimate success of the insurgents served by the immediate aggravation of the roman oppressions which it produced to make the native population more universally eager to take arms tiberius who was afterward emperor Had recently been recalled from the command in Germany and sent into Pannonia to put down a dangerous revolt which had broken out against the Romans in that province. The German patriots were thus delivered from the stern supervision of one of the most suspicious of mankind and were also relieved from having to contend against the high military talents of a veteran commander who thoroughly understood their national character and also the nature of the country, which he himself had principally subdued in the room of tiberius augustus sent into germany quintilius varus who had lately returned from the proconsulate of syria varus was a true representative of the higher classes of the romans among whom a general taste for literature a keen susceptibility to all intellectual gratifications a minute acquaintance with the principles and practice of their own national jurisprudence a careful training in the schools of the rhetoricians and a fondness for either partaking in or watching the intellectual strife of forensic oratory had become generally diffused without however having humanized the old roman spirit of cruel indifference to human feelings and human sufferings and without acting as the least checks on unprincipled avarice and ambition or on habitual and gross profligacy accustomed to govern the depraved and debased natives of syria a country where courage in man and virtue in woman had for centuries been unknown varus thought that he might gratify his licentious and rapacious passions with equal impunity among the high-minded sons and pure-spirited daughters of germany when the general of an army sets the example of outrages of this description is soon faithfully imitated by his officers and surpassed by his still more brutal soldiery the romans now habitually indulged in those violations of the sanctity of the domestic shrine and those insults upon honor and modesty by which far less gallant spirits than those of our teutonic ancestors have often been maddened into insurrection arminius found among the other german chiefs many who sympathized with him in his indignation at their country's abasement and many whom private wrongs had stung yet more deeply there was little difficulty in collecting bold leaders for an attack on the oppressors and little fear of the population not rising readily at those leaders call but to declare open war against rome and to encounter varus's army in a pitched battle would have been merely rushing upon certain destruction varus had three legions under him a force which after allowing for detachments cannot be estimated at less than fourteen thousand roman infantry he had also eight or nine hundred roman cavalry and at least an equal number of horse and foot sent from the allied states or raised among those provincials who had not received the roman franchise It was not merely the number but the quality of this force that made them formidable and however contemptible varus might be as a general arminius well knew how admirably the roman armies were organized and officered and how perfectly the legionaries understood every maneuver and every duty which the varying emergencies of a stricken field might require stratagem was therefore indispensable and it was necessary to blind varus to their schemes until a favourable opportunity should arrive for striking a decisive blow for this purpose the german confederates frequented the headquarters of varus which seemed to have been near the centre of the modern country of westphalia where the roman general conducted himself with all the arrogant security of the governor of a perfectly submissive province there varus gratified at once his vanity his rhetorical tastes and his avarice by holding courts to which he summoned the germans for the settlement of all their disputes while a bar of roman advocates attended to argue the cases before the tribunal of varus who did not omit the opportunity of exacting court fees and accepting bribes varus trusted implicitly to the respect which the germans pretended to pay to his abilities as a judge and to the interest which they affected to take in the forensic eloquence of their conquerors meanwhile a succession of heavy rains rendered the country more difficult for the operations of regular troops and arminius seeing that the infatuation of varus was complete secretly directed the tribes near the Weser and the ems to take up arms in open revolt against the romans this was represented to varus as an occasion which required his prompt attendance at the spot but he was kept in studied ignorance of its being part of a concerted national rising and he still looked on arminius as his submissive vassal whose aid he might rely on in facilitating the march of his troops against the rebels and in extinguishing the local disturbance he therefore set his army in motion and marched eastward in a line parallel to the course of the lip for some distance his route lay along a level plain but on arriving at the tract between the curve of the upper part of that stream and the sources of the ems the country assumes a very different character and here in the territory of the modern little principality of lip it was that arminius had fixed the scene of his enterprise a wooded and hilly region intervenes between the heads of the two rivers and forms the watershed of their streams this region still retains the name tuto bergenwald tuto bergiensis saltus which it bore in the days of arminius the nature of the ground has probably also remained unaltered the eastern part of it round detmold the modern capital of the principality of Lip is described by a modern german scholar dr plate as being a tableland intersected by numerous deep and narrow valleys which in some places form small plains surrounded by steep mountains and rocks and only accessible by narrow defiles all the valleys are traversed by rapid streams shallow in the dry season but subject to sudden swellings in autumn and winter the vast forests which cover the summits and slopes of the hills consist chiefly of oak there is little underwood and both men and horse would move with ease in the forests if the ground were not broken by gullies or rendered impracticable by fallen trees this is the district to which varus is supposed to have marched and dr plate adds that the names of several localities on and near that spot seem to indicate that a great battle had once been fought there we find the names das wienefeld the field of victory die nockenbaum the bone lane die nockenleck the bone brook der maudkessel the kettle of slaughter and others contrary to the usual strict principles of roman discipline varus had suffered his army to be accompanied and impeded by an immense train of baggage wagons and by a rabble of camp followers as if his troops had been merely changing their quarters in a friendly country when the long array quitted the firm level ground and began to wind its way among the woods the marshes and the ravines the difficulties of the march even without the intervention of an armed foe became fearfully apparent in many places the soil sodden with rain was impracticable for cavalry and even for infantry until trees had been felled and a rude causeway formed through the morass the duties of the engineer were familiar to all who served in the roman armies but the crowd and confusion of the columns embarrassed the working parties of the soldiery and in the midst of their toil and disorder the word was suddenly passed through their ranks that the rear-guard was attacked by the barbarians. Varus resolved on pressing forward, but a heavy discharge of missiles from the woods on either flank taught him how serious was the peril, and he saw his best men falling round him without the opportunity of retaliation, for his light-armed auxiliaries, who were principally of Germanic race, now rapidly deserted and it was impossible to deploy the legionaries on such broken ground for a charge against the enemy choosing one of the most open and firm spots which they could force their way to the romans halted for the night and faithful to their national discipline and tactics formed their camp amid the harassing attacks of the rapidly thronging foes with the elaborate toil and systematic skill the traces of which are impressed permanently on the soil of so many european countries attesting the presence in the olden time of the imperial eagles on the morrow the romans renewed their march the veteran officers who served under varus now probably directing the operations and hoping to find the germans drawn up to meet them in which case they relied on their own superior discipline and tactics for such a victory as should reassure the supremacy of rome but arminius was far too sage a commander to lead on his followers with their unwieldy broadswords and inefficient defensive armour against the roman legionaries fully armed with helmet cuirass greaves and shield who were skilled to commence the conflict with a murderous volley of heavy javelins hurled upon the foe when a few yards distant and then with their short cut-and-thrust swords, to hew their way through all opposition, preserving the utmost steadiness and coolness, and obeying each word of command, in the midst of strife and slaughter, with the same precision and alertness as if upon parade. Arminius suffered the Romans to march out from their camp, to form first in line for action, and then in column for marching, without the show of opposition for some distance varus was allowed to move on only harassed by slight skirmishes but struggling with difficulty through the broken ground the toil and distress of his men being aggravated by heavy torrents of rain which burst upon the devoted legions as if the angry gods of germany were pouring out the vials of their wrath upon the invaders after some little time their van approached a ridge of high wooded ground which is one of the offshoots of the great Hersinian forest and is situated between the modern villages of dryburg and bielefeld arminius had caused barricades of hewn trees to be formed here so as to add to the natural difficulties of the passage fatigue and discouragement now began to betray themselves in the roman ranks their line became less steady Baggage wagons were abandoned from the impossibility of forcing them along, and as this happened, many soldiers left their ranks and crowded round the wagons to secure the most valuable portions of their property. Each was busy about his own affairs and purposely slow in hearing the word of command from his officers. End of section 37. Recording by Linda Johnson.